Well, g'day and welcome to the online ministry for St. Augustine's Anglican Church here in Inverell. My name's Matt and it's wonderful that you're tuning in with us today. Uh, today's ministry has been prepared for the 28th of August 2022. As we begin, hear these words of scripture from Psalm 86. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day long. You, O Lord, are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. Oh, what a great promise from our God. Uh, let's begin in a time of praise.
Well, as we come to the ministry of God's Word, let me encourage you to pause in a moment to take up your Bible and to have a read through our Bible readings for today. Uh, Our psalm for today comes from Psalm 22, uh, verses 25 to 31. Uh, Our passage that I'll be speaking from in a little moment is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through to 8. Uh, And the other reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 26 to 49. That one will be important as well, and I'll mention it as I share in a moment. But do pause the video, uh, have a read of these passages of Scripture. You'll see them on the bulletin if uh, you've got our handout, uh, and I'll come back and share with us in a moment. Well, let's pray as we come to think about God's Word together now. Heavenly Father, as we open your Word, please guide us through it, we pray by your Spirit. Please help us to see uh, what the book of Acts is all about and what you are doing in our world and our place in that. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, families are great things, aren't they? Our families can be relied upon for so many things that we need in life. And I think one of the things that families can be relied upon for most is to tell us what will be good for us. Uh, Everyone's got a mum or an auntie, or a grandma who's got some kind of home remedy, uh, some kind of cure for something, for one thing or another, and they tell us, this will be good for you. Uh, Most of us have mums who on maybe countless occasions have told us that things will be good for us. Uh, For me, I mean, that might have been, let's say, eating fish for brain development, uh, taking magnesium for my leg cramps I used to get, or, uh, or taking Epsom salts to clear up acne. Now, family are really good at telling us what's good for us. Now, when I was an early adult, when I, when, I was, uh, when I was working, I had an auntie who I always used to call up and ask what to get, what would be good for me when I started to get cold or flu symptoms. And so I'd call her and she'd tell me a list of things I need to get when I go to Woolies or the chemist. And in fact, I was at Woolies the other day during the week and I found this jar of Cenevis that has kind of most of the things that she was telling me to get back in the day. It's got echinacea, it's got garlic, it's got zinc, it's got vitamin C. And have a listen to what it claims to do. Reduce the duration and severity of common cold symptoms. To boost your immunity. Not only that, it says it supports a healthy immune system and function. And, get this one, acts as an antioxidant helping reduce the free radical damage to body cells. After reading that last one, I'm a little scared not to take it. But Cenevis want me to think that this, their little mixture, is good for me. Now, there are plenty of things that people will tell us in life are good for us. But I want to tell you today that the book of Acts will be good for you. Now, not like Cenevis claim this jar of goodies is good for you in reducing cold and flu symptoms. No, Acts is good for you spiritually. Uh, This is where we're starting our new series in church today. And so I want to say right off the bat, Acts is good for you because it will show us God's purpose in the world. It'll show us where God's heart is at. And so this is your first week tuning in with us, maybe your first, the first week you, uh, you join us in a little while, I want to say welcome. It's really great that you're watching with us. Uh, it's great that you're joining us for our new series beginning in Acts. 
Now, this today will simply be an introduction to the book. And as we introduce, you'll both see what God's purpose in the world is and why this is good for you. So, let's open it up. If you've got your Bible there, have it open. It's the best way to listen. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. The writer says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So what do we notice? The very first sentence in Acts, what do we notice? The writer says, this is not the place to start reading. Uh, the author, he actually says, we should start somewhere else. There's another place, something he's already written in the Bible. Uh, maybe you know what that is. It's the Gospel of Luke. Now, how do we know? Well, because he starts his biography, his Gospel of Jesus' life, in a similar fashion to this. And so he shows us that together, Luke and Acts, they form a two, his two-part volume. And so it's appropriate then, as we start our series in Acts, that we actually go back and have a look at Luke and see how he starts there. And so keep a finger in Acts 1, flip back to Luke chapter 1 now. Luke chapter 1, verse 1, there he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were hand, handed down to us by those who, from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now, there's two things to notice here as we go back and read the very start of Luke. Firstly, Luke is writing with a purpose in mind. He's writing about the things that God is doing in the world. Specifically, the things that have been fulfilled that God is doing in the world. Now, secondly, he's not just writing whatever he wants about this. No, no, he says that like any good historian, he's gone back to the eyewitnesses. He's gone back to talk to the people who saw it, the people who were there. These are reliable sources. Ones that in verse 3, he says he's cross-checked. Verse 3 and 4, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. What he writes, it's not higgly-piggly, no, it's the result of careful investigation. And it's an orderly account, he says. And he's writing to this guy named Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus was probably already a Christian at the time, uh, and Luke was writing so that he would have a reliable account of the things that he had his faith in, the things that he had already heard. That's the purpose of the Gospel of Luke. That's why he's writing. And so when it comes to Acts then, uh, Luke's purpose is now to provide a follow-on account from his biography of Jesus. And turning back to Acts then, right, got finger in Acts 1 still, go back there, in Acts, we now have to have a listen to what Luke says about his gospel account. All right, Acts 1, verse 1 again. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. If Luke's first volume is described as all that Jesus began to do and teach, this means that Acts is describing what Jesus continues to do. Uh, and this is a crucial point to make. Because as we look at the book of Acts, 
It is a book all about what Jesus continues to do, continue to do in the world. Now, even though he was not there physically for 99% of it, Luke wants you to know that the main character of the book of Acts, it's not the 12 apostles. It's not Paul. The main character of Acts is Jesus himself. Even after his resurrection and ascension into heaven, Jesus continues to be at work in the world. He's like a director, someone behind the scenes, someone pulling the strings, calling the shots, who's, who's just out of scene except for the odd cameo appearance, right? That's Jesus in Acts. Now, Luke wrote his gospel, his biography account of Jesus, because he wanted Theophilus to be clear about the fulfillment of God's purposes, of God's promises. And he's not just speaking in a kind of general fulfillment. No, he's talking specifically. And there's, there's three things that kind of form, a, if you like, a bridge to a bridge between Luke and Acts. Three planks, if you like, that fit between them. Now, the first plank is basically a summary of all that happens in Luke. And the second two, number two and three, are basically a summary of what we see in Acts. And so we see both of these. We see this bridge in Luke 24 and in Acts 1. And so we're going to go back now again to Luke, this time to the very last chapter, uh, Luke 24, starting at verse 45. Uh, and if we're going to be studying Acts, we need to be clear how it fits together with his gospel account. Because it'll tell us how we're meant to read and understand Acts. All right, so Acts 24, verse 45, if you're there, here's Jesus talking to his followers after his death and resurrection, after he's come back to life. In Luke 24, he says, uh, starting at verse 45, Then he, that's Jesus, opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Verse 46, Jesus' suffering, his death, his resurrection, it's a, it's a perfect summary, a good summary of Luke's first volume of his gospel. It's all about Jesus uh, as God's deliberate action leading him to Jerusalem to the, to, to the point where he'd be strung up on the cross on that first Easter. Jesus' death means something. Now, the Old Testament points to his death as the means by which we can have a relationship with God. It looks forward to that. His death as the thing that deals once and for all with human sin so that we can be forgiven and have a relationship with God. And we can be forgiven only by trusting in him. That's what Jesus points us to. But Jesus' suffering and death aren't the only things that are being fulfilled and on display here, no. So was his resurrection. The tomb being empty on Easter, just like his death, was also real and also means something. Now, there were some in the early church who, who thought that uh, the resurrection was not to a, with a physical body, but something that was uh, a spiritual or uh, a heavenly body. Uh, likewise, people today treat the resurrection as even more, even worse, simply as an allegory. Something that didn't really happen to Jesus physically, but something that happens in the hearts of believers. All right? It happens internally for us by faith. No, no, you cannot read Luke's twin volumes here and think that. Listen to the way that Luke starts Acts. Acts chapter 1, flip back again, verse 3 and 4, he says, 
after his suffering, he, that's Jesus, presented himself to them, his followers, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, right? Ghosts can't eat. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Again, you cannot read Luke or Acts and think that Jesus was not raised with a real physical body. Now, Jesus' death was physical and bodily. And so his, for his uh, victory over death, his resurrection would also need to be physical and bodily. Luke, as the writer, stresses here in Acts that there were many convincing proofs. That's what he says. A quick implication. Uh, the Christian faith, Luke says, is built on evidence. And so here's a question for you. Have you ever seriously considered the evidence? If you haven't yet, or if, if you're still trying to work out who Jesus is, why Jesus is significant in your life. On Thursday nights, we're running an Introducing God course uh, at church. We've just started one, and it's not too late for you to jump in. Uh, you can find the details of that on our website. I want to encourage you, if you're still exploring, still trying to work out who Jesus is, that is where you need to be. Uh, I want to commend that to you. You can get in touch with us uh, via the website. But right now, I want you to see the first plank in the, in the bridge between Luke and Acts. It's the, it's the fulfillment of Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection. And these aspects of Jesus' life, they have implications then. They have flow-on effects, which leads us to the second plank in the bridge. That is, Jesus' followers will be empowered to witness by the Holy Spirit. And so, flick back then, back into Luke 24, this time, verses 48 and 9. Jesus says to his followers, You are witnesses of these things. He means his death and resurrection. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here is a promise from the mouth of Jesus. Now, through the Old Testament, God's people longed for the day when God would pour out his spirit on people, on all people. And this again, this is what Jesus is promising. And it's the promise he reaffirms at the start of Acts. Flick back, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Luke tells us that on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Sound familiar? But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, that's John the Baptist, he baptized with water, but in a few days you will baptize, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is what we see happen in the very next chapter of Acts. One page later. Jesus' followers, they receive the Spirit of God and it radically transforms, it radically changes their lives. I'll give you a sneak peek of that in a little while. But Luke makes it clear that Jesus' followers are to be witnesses of the good news of his death and resurrection. Right, this is part of what Acts is all about. And they will be equipped for the task by the indwelling of God's presence himself, by his Holy Spirit. In fact, 
This is how Jesus continues to be the main character in the book of Acts. He continues to work in people through his spirit. He continues to speak through his apostles. Apostle literally means sent one. He speaks through them by his spirit. And he leads the people they encounter to have a saving faith in him again by working in them by his spirit. And so the first two planks in the bridge between Luke and Acts are, firstly, the basis of the fulfillment of Jesus' death and resurrection, right? That's a summary of Luke. Now, the second plank is the fulfillment of the apostles' witness through the Holy Spirit. And so finally, plank number three, the fulfillment of the gospel to all nations. All right, flip back again, Luke 24, this time verses 46 and 47. At the end of 46, you can see it there, Jesus says, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, verse 47, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. This is what Jesus told his followers after he was raised back to life. And yet, as we flick back over to Acts chapter 1, it appears that his followers still don't understand that his kingdom will embrace all nations. In Acts 1 verse 6, they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still have a limited view of God's kingdom. A restoration of the kingdom of Israel, this is something that all first century Jews longed for. But, as they ask it, Jesus deflects their question because it's misguided. Instead, he repeats his command from from Luke that they were to be witnesses both near and far. So, Acts 1, verse 7 and 8, then he goes on. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, his disciples, they still have a small and inward view and scope of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so he lifts up their sight from their own backyard and totally widens it to the furthest reaching ends of the earth. Now, at the start... I said the book of Acts will be good for you, good for us, because it shows us God's purpose in the world. It shows us where God's heart is. And let me be clear. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, is it sets the pattern for the entire book, and it shows us what God's purpose is in the world. God's purpose is that his gospel would be preached to all people, so that we can come into a saving relationship with him through his son, Jesus. This is what God's concern is. The gospel. God's concern is not primarily that uh, we, we have liberation, we have freedom, we have peace from wars. No, that's not what his, can be, his main concern is. God's concern isn't that we have health, wealth and prosperity. No, no, no. God's concern for the world is that the saving name of Jesus be made known everywhere so that all people have the chance to respond to his love. That is where God's heart is. 
Now, Acts 1 verse 8 also sets up the structure for the whole book. Uh, chapters 1 to 7 in Acts deal with the witness in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 to 12 deal with uh, his witness in Judea and Samaria. And then 12 onwards uh, deal with his witness to the ends of the earth. And over the next eight weeks, we're going to deal with just the first stage in Acts. And as Jesus tells us, all this happens as his witnesses, as his followers, are empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is how, the, this is the means by which the gospel goes out. It's the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God. And I want to give you now just that, a sneak peek. Now, two examples of this in action. Now, if you were to cast your mind back, uh, back to the book of Luke, when Jesus is arrested before he's hung on the cross, we see Peter, Jesus' closest follower, what does he do when he's, Jesus is arrested? He flees. He acts, he acts like a coward. He denies even knowing Jesus. I do not know the man, he says. And so there's a massive transformation, a massive shift. Less than two months later, when we get to, we get to Acts chapter 4, after Jesus has gone, after Peter has the Spirit, he's there. Uh, dragged before the officials for healing and teaching in Jesus' name, and we see him no longer cowering away. He's on the front foot, not cowardly, but courageous. And Luke makes the point clear in, in Acts 4, verses 8 and 12. Peter was filled with the Spirit and said to these officials, There is no other name in heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter is, as he becomes to be, only by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables him to declare boldly that Jesus is both Lord and Saviour. The second example I want to show us in Acts is in chapter 6 and, and especially chapter 7. We meet Stephen, another guy who's empowered by the Holy Spirit for clear proclamation. And while he's on trial before the authorities because of his allegiance to Jesus. The Spirit gives him courage, Stephen that is, to point out to these guys their error, to show them how the Bible, how the Old Testament for them, points through to Jesus. And the Spirit gave him courage to preach it clearly, even to the point of his death. They killed him for preaching the name of Jesus. And there in Acts 7, Stephen becomes the first Christian martyr. And research tells us that, estimates that since then, since that day, there have been about 70 million other Christians around the world who have been killed for having a faith in Jesus. 70 million people whose spirit-empowered lives say a clear message. Jesus is worth living for. The good news of Jesus is even worth dying for. And so I want to ask you, is that your view of Jesus? Let me tell you, this is why our series in Acts will be good for you. Firstly, Acts will strengthen your trust in what God is doing in the world. It'll strengthen your trust in him. Uh, together, Luke and Acts are written to give us certainty 
of our Christian faith, certainty of God's plans as they are being fulfilled. Uh, Through the book of Acts, we see God being faithful to his promise, that salvation would be proclaimed to the ends of the earth as his Christians are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, reading through Acts will strengthen your trust in God to work and achieve his purposes. Secondly, Acts will, Acts will weaken your pride. That's how it will be good for you. It will weaken your pride. We live in a day, in a world, in a society where people consider themselves self-made, self-sufficient people. We don't want for anything. But Acts is a book that points us to our desperate need of God, to our desperate need of salvation in Jesus. And then to our need of God's spirit to help us live lives for him. And even more so as a church to our need of his spirit so that we can partner in his mission. Now thirdly, Acts will widen your vision. God has a concern over the world. We We can't excuse ourselves from participating in his mission. Now people... People who are outside of relationship with God are lost and in need of Jesus. And this is why we run outreach events like we had our evening out last Saturday night. This is why we run events like Introducing God, the course that's happening uh, this week. This is also why as a church, we support missionaries who are overseas. We care about people in places like Southeast Asia or Uganda coming to know Jesus. This is why as a church we we have child sponsorship links with a group like Compassion. Because we want children around the world both to be freed from poverty but also to have the opportunity to hear of the name of Jesus. It's life-changing news and he is their greatest need. If Jesus is the best possible news there is for a broken world, then Acts will widen our vision beyond our own lives. And finally, Acts will be good for us because it reminds us of what's most important in life. And it will do that by showing you what's important to God, what's dear to his heart. And so maybe you're here, you're watching with us for the first time today, or maybe this is the first time you've tuned in for a while. Either way, can I encourage you, don't just tune in once. Uh, If you come along to church, don't just come along once. Stick it out for the next eight weeks as we work our way through the first major section in Acts. And as I said at the start, Luke tells us that Acts isn't the place to start reading. No, no. If you haven't yet, or if you haven't in a while, go back and have a read of the gospel, his biography account of Jesus' life. I want to encourage you to both be reading through Luke and joining with us as we go through Acts because this will be good for you. Sure, Senevus claims that uh, their mixture of echinacea, garlic, zinc and vitamin C will be good to help reduce uh, the, the severity of common cold symptoms but Acts will be good for you because it'll strengthen your trust in God and what he's doing in the world. It'll weaken your pride It'll widen your vision and it will remind you of what's important in life as we see what's closest to God's heart. And so I'm really looking forward to going through Acts with you over the next eight weeks. 
uh, and I hope to see you tuning in or in church with us for that. Uh, but let me pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are the God of all things uh, and that you are a God who still loves us. You are mindful of men. Uh, Father, help us to cast our lives on you in repentance and faith as we see Jesus saving death in our place, as we see his resurrection that affirms it all. As Lord, we see you still at work in the world, seated in heaven. Father, help us to be people who, whose vision is widened, uh, whose hearts are set on fire for your mission, and who are people that grow as we sit under your word. Father, please do these things in our lives, we pray. Amen. Well, we go now to a time of praise. be
God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, we come now to a time of prayer. And so in a moment, uh, there'll be a blue slide that comes up with some prayer points. And I'll encourage you to pause the video at that, that moment uh, to be praying, uh, to be praying not just for the things you see there, but for things that are going on in, the, in your life and in the life of our church as well. I'll be praying for the things that, that have come up as we start to look at the book of Acts. Uh, after we pray, uh, there will be uh, a, a, a moment of praise, and then I'll draw us back in as we finish together.
Well, friends, I hope you keep joining with us as we move through the book of Acts over the next number of weeks. Uh, But let me finish uh, with these words of scripture to encourage you. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God and Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. I look forward to seeing you next time.